Last week, I started a three-week series on uh, becoming the body. And uh, we talked about how while Jesus was on the cross, a physical reality that he endured was having his bones literally come out of joint. And we know that from medical professions saying that much weight you know, on those nails through his hands would have literally torn his bones apart and he would have been uh, in excruciating pain. And if you read Psalm 22, that's verified for us in verse 14. It says, uh, I am poured out like water and my bones are all out of joint. So this was a physical sign of what was happening in the spirit. The body of Christ became disjointed that day. It says that you will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, which is exactly what happened, right? Jesus was betrayed and, and just about everyone deserted him and they, and they scattered. Um, and it's a prophetic picture of today, guys. I want you to know that the body of Jesus is still disjointed and scattered, but it's our job to put him back together on the earth. Uh, and what we have to do is unite That was Jesus' famous last chapter of prayer for us, that we would be one, right? Out of John 17. And last week we talked about uh, how 1 Corinthians 14.26 is Jesus and Paul's vision for what church should look like, what it should look like when believers gather together. And it's this, everyone brings something to the table, whether it's a psalm, a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a testimony, everybody brings something, and um, I call it the spiritual potluck. Anybody here from a Baptist church or a Methodist church? Y'all know about potlucks. Well, this is a spiritual potluck where it's not about just the, the one worship leader uh, or the, the, the one guy that comes up and holds the microphone. It's about we, we're all gifted God's giftings and callings are irrevocable. So you guys came with something for someone. If not for the whole church all at once from the microphone, you came with a word or an encouragement or a leaf blower. Like you're, you've come to loan a tool to me. Like <laughs> everybody's come together and that's how the body works. And so in keeping with that vision, um, I'm going to bring a couple people up today. Um, Crystal Stanley, you want to come on up? Isn't Crystal awesome? She's so gifted, so full of integrity, so pretty. We just love you. We're so glad that you decided to move back here. Uh, Crystal, I asked her to um, just ask the Lord for some words of knowledge, and um, so she's got some for us. Have a bunch, so hopefully it's all right. First, I want to start with Sasha. Can you stand up, please? I feel like every time I pray for words from the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. Sit back down. Sit back down. Sit back down. Sit back down. <laughs> I can see you just fine. <laughs> I hear, I hear words for you all the time, and I really believe like. You have such a childlike faith and expectancy to hear from Jesus wherever you are. You're like, Jesus, 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 are you there? It's so cool. I come to you sometimes and I want to come and get healing from you or ask you to pray for me. And you're like, you have a word for me, right? (laughs) And it's awesome. So I feel like that's for the whole body. That's the expectancy that we all need. That's what 
we need to crave like a child. Like, where is he? Where is he at? Where's Jesus? Where's my word today? What is he going to speak to me about today? So I had somebody else. I hope she's still here. Maddie? She's nursing too? What? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's a word. Oh, she's right there. Yay. Okay. I didn't know if I was going to actually say this one because the other night, I've been staying with the Eckerts. So I've got to hang out with you a little bit, but not a lot. And I had a dream about you. And in the dream, you were, <laughs> you were like my best friend. And it was really cool. I woke up and I was like, wow, man, you'd be an awesome best friend. And I felt the Lord this morning telling me more about it. Like, that's how he sees you. You're his best friend. He trusts you so much. He trusts you with secrets. He trusts you with those three beautiful kids. Those kids are so cute. (laughs) They're so awesome. And you're like raising them up to be such powerful people. And then during worship, which is so cool that you brought Coco up here, I saw Coco walking a stage with a microphone as a child walking the stage. And she was like, be healed in Jesus name. I speak to that demon and tell it to go. It was really cool. And then she got up here with a mic. (laughs) It's really awesome. All right. So I have one more. This is my word of knowledge. So I'm going to step out on it. I really feel like today the Lord wants to heal somebody of fibromyalgia. I don't know if I say that right. And really any pain-altering, life-altering pain disease that you may have. So does anybody have that? Anybody, anybody. All right. I heard that, too, that the Lord was going to definitely heal somebody that's not here today, too. Do you want to stand up? Uh, I had a dream last night, and it was a really powerful dream. I knew it was one of those God dreams. It was just really intense. And the Lord said, I was like almost asleep, and then he woke me up, and I saw this picture of a man with his leg up in a cast. And it was like I was looking at it in a camera from underneath, and there was a bright light like he was in an operating room. And then I heard the Lord say, fibromyalgia. Never heard that word before. I don't even know what that is. I had to look it up this morning. (laughs) And he said said that he is our healer. He's the great surgeon. He's the one that's going to take all of that pain away. And when I read about it, it was something that affects your brain and how you feel pain. So again, if there's anybody, don't be scared. It has a pain. I felt like rheumatoid arthritis, too. And I was thinking of Sydney. Does she still have that, or has she been healed? She still has it? Well, we'll just pray for her, too. So, okay. So, what's your friend's name? Marissa. All right, Jesus, we just thank you for Marissa. We thank you that you're the great healer, that you're going to heal her of this disease. There'll be no more pain, that today she will walk away. She'll notice something different in her life today. And we thank you for that, Lord. You promised that you're going to heal her. You're going to heal her from this. We just thank you so much in Jesus' name. I pray for Sydney, too, where she's at, that 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 pain will go, that she will not have that. That's not going to be a life-altering disease that she's with for the rest of her life. We thank you so much that you are a healer. You are a doctor. You're the greatest surgeon in the world, Lord, that you can go in there and fix whatever needs to happen, Lord. I pray that all of those, that the joints will be 
filled back up with fluid the way that you created them to be and that there will be absolutely no more pain. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So pray for us to have like your dream, impart your dream life to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> receive, receive these dreams. <laughs> well, if you go to the Eckert's house for a little bit, you'll get some dreams. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. All right, Lord, I just pray for the body, for our church, for Storehouse, to receive dreams from you, that they'll be able to remember their dreams. Their dreams will not be stolen. God, I pray for anyone that believes the lie that they don't have dreams, that that will be broken right now in Jesus' name, that you do have dreams, and that God is speaking to you in the night, and he has words for other people in your life. He has healing for you. He has direction in your life. So, God, I just thank you for those dreams. I thank you for the words that you give us at night. And I pray that for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Crystal. You did great. Um, and at the end, we're going to bring up our, our good friend, Josh Bryson. So if you get tired of listening to me, just take heart. Someone cooler will be up here with an awesome beard that you can hear from at the end. <clears throat> so uh, I learned from... My old teacher, the leader of our school and ministry, Rick Joyner, he always used to say that communion means common union. Um, and there is this communion that was introduced in, in the Old Testament when the Israelites were wandering about in the desert. It's called manna. You guys remember this story? They're on this crazy, somewhat perilous adventure through the wilderness without food and sometimes without water. And you guys remember, uh, God causes this type of bread to come down um, at night before dawn, and then they would wake up and gather it up off the ground, and they would bake it into these like cakes, and they said, it says that it has the flavor of coriander, which is interesting. I, the Lord is all about that spice. And that manna is a foreshadowing of Jesus, right? Because in uh, John chapter 6, um, Jesus starts talking about how he's the bread that came down from heaven. He is the bread that comes down from heaven. Uh, and he said, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert and they died. But he who eats of this bread will live forever. And um, people got pretty confused as he was uh, speaking this. Um, but he, uh, he wouldn't get off this uh, subject, the, the fact that he is bread from heaven. And so between uh, John 6.33 and 6.58, seven times he says, I am the bread. And he, and he just hammers it home and says, my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he who eats of me will live forever. Which is a, a pretty interesting message. I mean, if... Uh, it would work if you're part of like a cannibal tribe, a cannibal disciple. But this is, this is Jesus walking around talking about how we have to eat him. We have to partake of him. And he didn't explain it. He didn't say, you know, well, what, what I mean is, you know, when you're gathering together and there's some wine and bread at the table, you know, remember me in that place and, you know, break it and give thanks for me. And, and uh, you know, if you b- believe in transubstantiationalism, uh, then the, b- the bread and the water will actually become, or the bread and the wine will actually become me. But anyway, he didn't explain any of that. He didn't mention the grape juice and the wafer 2,000 years in the future. He just said, eat me. And, and in 666, 
It says many of his disciples left and followed him no longer. You think that's a coincidence that it happened in 666? The number of carnal thinking, the number of man. (laughs) The very teaching that Jesus gave us to release power to become one is the very teaching that divided them all. And it has the same effect today. John actually got up here and preached my message. When he stood up here and said, how many of you are going to commit to joining a home group? You know what happened? I'm not going to like directly convict you, but this is, this is what happens when a pastor implores people to become connected to the body. A demon of rebellion begins to whisper in our ears, that's manipulation. He wants to control you and get your tithe. You can have a relationship with God anywhere. You don't need these people. Just go to Starbucks and read your Bible alone. Just go and pray in the woods and have an encounter with Jesus out there by yourself. Right? And the very teaching that is actually going to release the power of the the mature man of Christ on earth is the very teaching that causes people to scatter because we think they're actually going to like really get to know me. And when they do, they're not going to like what's inside. They're not going to like me anymore, so I can only be around Sunday because I can only hold it together for an hour and a half before people start to realize that I'm a mess. So home group is out. Encounter Jesus school, no way. <laughs> right? Someone mentions accountability and community, and there's an instantly people that have an allergic reaction and think, the shepherding movement is back. You guys remember the shepherding movement? It was, it was a teaching about community and accountability that turned into manipulation and control, which is no bueno. Accountability and community is awesome, but what they did is they turned it into control. It got to the point where they were, they were telling people who they had to marry in the church. It was a mess. Anybody live through the shepherding movement? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you. That's why, yeah, okay, hallelujah. I was there too. I was just really, really young. I've been uh, in a tambourine playing church since I was born. I'm telling you guys that becoming the body of Christ is the most demonically challenged message. Actually becoming friends that don't give up on each other and becoming intimately connected and an integral part of a church is the most challenged thing that you will partake, that you will endure, that you will try to bring about in your life. Who in here is a Protestant? It's not a trick question. Protestant, right? You're a protestant. Our move was born in a protest. We haven't stopped protesting since it started. Right? As soon as someone says something you don't like, you're like, well, there's 50 other churches. I'm going to protest. And you know what? I'm going to launch my own church in protest to that one little doctrine that I don't like. Even though we agree on 999,000 things, that one doctrine 
I'm going to protest and go launch my church. It's going to be founded on that doctrine. And then you, that, that church grows to about, you know, 50 to 100 people, and someone in there doesn't like what uh, that new pastor said, and they go launch another church. It's protest after protest after protest. It's Protestant. I wonder what would happen if the church completely abandoned pointing out people's sins, errors, and faults for one year. If every Christian on planet Earth stopped using Facebook to expose, uh, you know, the intentions of the leaders of our government and what they think is going on behind the scenes, if, if, the, if every Christian on planet Earth did away with the pointing of the finger, what do you think would happen? If we stopped being protestants, Isaiah 58 says that if we did that, our light will rise in the darkness and we will be like a well-watered garden whose springs never fail. We think that the key to power is some mystical revelation or some grueling discipline, but it's so, so simple. And after Jesus gave that cannibal message and everyone deserted him except for these 12 originals, the OGs, Jesus turns to them and says, do you want to leave me too? And Peter gives us two keys to enduring in community, to enduring through anything, through offense. I mean, think about in that moment, they watch, if you, if you read up to that, you can estimate there's probably about 10,000 people in that crowd when Jesus gives that famous message. And that means that, you know, 9,988 people said, this guy is a weirdo. We're out of here. I traveled days to hear this dude, and all he says is, eat me. Like, this is ridiculous. I, uh, I'm, and, and look at these disciples following this guy. What a bunch of idiots. They must be sincerely duped. And so the 12 watch 9,988 people leave embarrassed, you know, and, and they're part of this little cannibal group. And Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, to whom shall we go? Don't you think uh, what most people would say is, where am I going to go? The Lord showed me that it's very important how he worded it. It's to whom shall we go? Because Peter at this point realized that his home was not a geographic location. His home was wherever Jesus was. And he's saying in that moment, I've seen the other rabbis, Jesus, and there's no one like you. I might be offended and ticked off in my mind right now, but I, I know you. And there's no other rabbis that walk on water and multiply food and heal the sick. I'm not going to find another Jesus. I'm not going to find another John or, or Barnabas or Bartholomew or Andrew. I'm not going to find another group like this. My home is you. So the first key is that community is about the people and not the place. It's about become, like actually knowing someone to the point where they're irreplaceable and you can't walk away 
without like you know a genuine word from God from heaven telling you you're supposed to move somewhere, right? And we would send you off with our blessing and a tear in our eye. And the second key that Peter gave is uh, only you have the words of eternal life. Peter had heard the gracious words that pour forth from Jesus' lips. He heard the sound of eternity in a man's voice, and he knew that he couldn't find that anywhere else. All the other rabbis had some stale manna, some stale teaching. But here is the bread who's come to sustain So Jesus, uh, many chapters later, actually shows the disciples what he meant about his flesh being food indeed and his blood being drink indeed. And in Luke twenty-two nineteen, it says, He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in like manner, he did, you know, with the cup as well. So, Jesus is saying, when you come together as a group, each one of you has like a representation of me that I want to bring to the body. And if someone is missing, then the body is going to suffer. I'm telling you, if I lost my pinky toe, I would be a whiny mess. If anybody in here lost one of your toes, no one wants to face that choice. Which toe am I going to give up? You know, like... If, you, if one part of the body is missing, you're going to be miserable. And Jesus is saying, put me back together. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, when you remember something, uh, another way to, to, to phrase that is you're putting the events back together. You're putting the details together. You're remembering, you know, that day and, and the details come and, and, and this picture gets put back together in your mind. And what Jesus is saying is, I was pulled apart or I'm about to be pulled apart on the cross. You need to put me back together. You need to remember me. The Lord told me through a prophetic experience, if we become the body, he'll supply the blood. And if we become a family, he'll supply the love. It's as simple as that. But you know, we love to drink the blood, but we hate to eat the body. Seriously. What church have you gone to that had tasty bread during communion? It's like the church has completely forgotten the process of making bread. And we give these, like, nasty little wafers. Or sometimes worse, matzah bread, which is, you know, is the legit thing you're supposed to eat. And it's dry. And it's just so weird tasting. And, and the pastor, you know, after you've taken the, the bread, he's given this long prayer while this bread is just like sucking every ounce of saliva out of your face. And you're like, all right, get to the blood already, dude. Like, <laughs> bless the wine, bless the wine. I got to wash this body down, right? 
I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but it is a sign on the earth of what is going on. When we have really tasty bread and everyone's like, ooh, yeah, I remember that bread. Like, I could eat that bread all day long. If we have that, like, level of tasty bread and communion, it will be a sign and a wonder, people, that we have a tasty body. And people want to come in here and eat of us. <laughs> in Song of Solomon 4.7, it says, you are altogether lovely. And that word altogether actually connotes a, a beauty in totality, a coming together or a beautiful togetherness. He wants us to become one. He wants us to simply become a family. And it is the one thing the world has never seen. Think about it. The unbelieving world has seen resurrection, healing power, accurate prophetic ministry. The world has seen a man walk on water. The world has seen it all, except this one thing. They've never seen a unified church. And look out. When that happens, whoo! That's what Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 is all about. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and the building up of the body until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the stature that is of Christ, to the mature man that is Jesus. And so that means that one day the church is going to have the same power and maturity and authority that Christ did. But it's not going to come on one man or, you know, two lone rangers. That doesn't make sense, lone. It's not going to come on a lone ranger. It's going to come on a unified body. Have you guys seen revival in the past? Or a move of God in the past? How long did it last? A couple years, right? Several years? A few months? What happened? Well, there are holes in the body and all the blood drained out. There, became, there came a division and someone's hand, the, the, the hand of that body of Christ took off, offended. And where's your blood going to go if your hand gets cut off? Onto the floor and there'll be no more power. That's why... The Lord pours out his power and his blood on a move, and it, and it dies. I had a whole bunch more that I wanted to say, but it's, uh, I really want to bring Josh up, and we'll save the rest for, uh, for next week. Um. Josh and Lindsay Bryson have been such a great part of our church. Don't you guys love the Brysons? Um, They've become our close friends. We've seen them volunteer and build stuff. Josh helped me build stuff, which is like my love language, which is really hard for Ashley. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, It's not actually my love language. 
uh, we've seen Lindsay Bryson sing her heart out on this stage while we were all blessed by the gift that came out of that incredible woman of God. Um, and Josh, of course, up here on the drums has time after time laid down a fat beat for the children of God to dance to. And uh, I wanted Josh to come up and, and give his testimony about community. Come on up here, Josh Bryson. drums in front of you guys all day and be fine, but I'm so nervous right now. But um, <laughs> it's just another thing I'm working on. Um, so, I forget about the camera. Um, so, it's so funny. You know, Jeremy, he sent me a text this morning and was like, hey, do you want to get up and speak? And I'm like, ah, no, I don't do that. But um, it's so funny how this lined up. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking on the way to church, all right, well, I don't talk. What am I going to say? You know, how can I... What can I say that's, that's going to reach someone else? Well, it hit me. Boom. Talk about how God is breaking down walls and showing me the importance of community. I get here, and I'm like, he asked me, so, you know, what are you thinking? I tell him, talking about community and how God is breaking down walls. He's like, oh, that's funny. I'm talking on that this morning. Um, but it's it's... For so long, I have been lied to and lied to and lied to from the devil. Right, hang on. Mm. Telling me I was worth nothing. You don't have anything to offer. You've got nothing to bring to the table. Um, and I've been playing drums since I was nine years old, and that's one of my favorite things in the world. When I'm behind that drum kit, I come alive. I feel and I realize I am a child of the most high when I'm sitting behind those drums, but the devil had lied to me for so long, telling me, you're not worth anything. You don't have anything to bring to the table. And um, it's when I realized how important community was, and Jeremy and Ashley, when we got plugged into this church, I'd walk through the doors, and I would feel acceptance and love and just wall after wall breaking down. And when I got plugged in with, I, I can't even list all the people that have made an impact on my life of just one by one encourage me, you know, uh, just breaking down just one by one. And it's such a sweet feeling when you realize your worth. And I, it's because People, John and Tracy and Jeremy and Ashley and York and Kat, and they have reached out with the most pure love. Um, I didn't really realize what the pure love of Christ looked like. I had never felt like I had experienced it. But when we came here and I got plugged into this church, that's when I realized, all right, this is a legit deal, and this is what the love of Christ should look like right here. And um, so, yeah, so ever, ever since then, I mean, I was, I was to a point to where I wouldn't pray over my daughter at night when she goes to bed. I tell Lindsay, you know, I'm not comfortable with it. And this is like a year or two ago. I was so manipulated and so lied to, I wouldn't even pray over my daughter when she went to bed at night. But I, I got poured into by so many people here. And wall, my wall, 
just started crumbling. And ever since then, I'm finally seeing what the real love of Christ looks like through you guys to me. So I am so honored to be a part of this church. Now we're going to have to kind of step out and I, you know, take this love to where, where we're going, where we're going. There's not many churches or anything like that. And it's a very broken, very, they need the love of Christ. Like you would not believe, uh, the money there is just unreal, but um, so I'm going to take what you guys have poured into me and take it with us. And this is only temporary, but uh, I, I, that's, um, yeah, so we're, uh, we're excited about it, but uh, you guys be praying for us for sure. And I'm definitely going to miss everybody. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Josh. Stay up here for a second. Hey, Lindsay, can you come up here too? We're going to pray for you guys. Because when part of our body gets sent off, we want to re- rejoice with you. And um, you guys always know that you have a, a home here. You're always welcome. In fact, we really don't want you to leave, but we believe that you do hear from God, so we're just going to agree with it. And, uh, and bless these guys with me right now, Lord. We, we bless Josh and Lindsay Bryson. Yeah, anyone can come up here and lay hands. We bless Josh and Lindsay Bryson in their, in their going, and we cover them with our, with our love and our blessing. And we say, we prophesy that there will be open doors of favor and finance and relationship where they land. Lord, and we thank you, God, that you are going to bless them in, in, with so much abundance. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to make people wonder at the God that they serve. And Father, we ask that um, you would enrich their hearts and Father, that you'd bind them together even closer and protect Scarlett, their beautiful daughter. In Jesus' name, amen.